Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution, and today, delighted to be your podcast host, broadcasting from the casita. And I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution, creators of Fuse. Fuse is the insurance marketing software that skyrockets retention, boosts policy per customer, and makes your clients love your agency without you having to hire more staff, programmers, or expensive technologists. If you haven't done it lately, do yourself a favor, visit agencyrevolution.com and request a demo of their software today. Make a note to yourself. And again, uh, delighted to welcome you to this podcast. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again with vigor. I'm excited about our guest. Uh, my guest today is um, Patty Newcomer. She is the Chief Marketing Officer, CMO, for FMG Suite and Agency Revolution. And as you'll uh, discover, relatively new in the position with um, fresh eyes on the industry, but a seasoned background in marketing. Patty uh, comes from a stellar career, previously Vice President of Marketing at Intuit. Vice President of Brand Marketing at Capital One. Um, previously, long time ago, Section Head at Procter & Gamble and Product Development. So she brings her the depth and the, the length of her uh, insight and career in marketing to you today um, because she really lays out in very simple terms four trends that are changing the world of insurance, uh, giving uh, and changing the world of marketing and giving insurance agents, um, oh, an opportunity for rapid growth. So I want you to listen to this one carefully and think about how you can execute on the insights that Patty shares so generously. So you're here to listen and I'm going to get out of the way <laughs> very quickly. I will uh, ask you, if you haven't done this yet, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Follow Agency Revolution on LinkedIn. If these conversations have been valuable to you, if you'd be kind enough, I'd be super grateful if you'd give us a five-star review on the um, Apple iTunes or the podcast platform of your choice. And... If there's something we can do better, reach out to me and let me know. Who would you like me to interview? What topics do you want us to focus on? You can reach me at michael at michaeljans.com. And now I'll get out of the way. Without further ado, uh, you will soon find out why I'm so impressed with this very intelligent, very articulate uh, guest, Patty Newcomer. Patty Newcomer, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, well, I'm good, and I'm excited about this conversation. So um, I, I know that my audience doesn't know you as well as I do. So 
talk to us for a moment about um, what it is that you do and a little bit about your fascinating history. Yes, yeah, so I am the relatively new chief marketing officer at FMG Suite. Um, I am a newcomer, Patty newcomer. My dad would say <laughs> always a newcomer. Um, and I come to FMG Suite via a rather circuitous route. Um, I've spent the past 20 years in financial services and technology marketing through uh, Capital One, then Wachovia, which is now part of Wells Fargo, and then two stints at Intuit. And then in between those stints, I was at a company called WorldPay, which is now part of FIS. And then I spent the first 10 years of my career at Procter & Gamble in new product development, working on soap and deodorant. Wow. Okay. Fascinating (laughs) history. Um, So... So marketing and product development has been your career? Correct. Okay. And so now you're now CMO at FMG Suites, which is the company that um, owns uh, Agency Revolution, or Agency Revolution is a member of the FMG family. family. Uh, so let's, let's talk marketing. Are you game for that? Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, I think I think a good place to start, and and I you know, um, but also keeping in mind that you've got fresh eyes on the insurance industry and property and casualty, which I think is in, in, for uh, the purposes of this conversation is exactly the right thing. Um, your uh, your oh your position in the marketing industry gives you a unique perspective, uh, a broad perspective. So my first question, Patty is, uh, you know, it's a world that changes so fast. The world of marketing and technology and the way that they come together is changing so fast. Um, Here's my question. What do you see as the, what are the big trends that are changing the marketing industry in itself? And then we'll dig into what this means to the insurance agency. But what are the trends and forces that are just changing marketing? Right. I think there are a couple that are really important. Um, The first is uh, data and analytics. Um, You know, there's this famous quote in marketing about 50% of all marketing is effective. We just don't know (laughs) what 50% it is. And I actually did some research to understand the the history of that statement. And somebody actually did say that. Um, Wasn't it P.T. Barnum? It it was not P.T. Barnum in the research. Or or maybe not, right? (laughs) Um, and so I think, you know, with, with all of the, um, uh, with the, both the um, now digital, you know, the amount of marketing that's done in digital channels, but even just in general, marketing is now expected to demonstrate an ROI, improve the value of the marketing investment. In a lot of organizations, the program spend in marketing is really the only um, optional spend outside of people, um, you know, outside of headcount. And so uh-huh. it's, a, it's a, a, a scrutinized expense and one that is being, um, is being looked at very hard each and every day throughout the organization for marketing to really demonstrate the benefit of um, the investments that we're making. Um, I hate it when marketing people say I'm bad at math. I'm a chemical engineer by background. And so um, math is um, really important to me, but it's important for marketers to be good at math 
and to be good at demonstrating the ROI. So that's one that I just think is really important, no matter what kind of marketing you're in, no matter what kind of um, business that you're trying to grow. Okay. With okay. Marketing. I want to circle, I want to circle back on that, but I don't want to interrupt your list because I think okay. it's a juicy one. Uh, a couple others. Um, the uh, next is personalization and just the importance of being able to know your customer and being able to offer an experience that is personalized for, for that customer. So even something as basic as um, having a different experience on the website if you're a customer versus a non-customer or, ah. or on the website being able to see where somebody is in the country and if it's relevant, um, adjusting the experience for that. And it obviously can get much more sophisticated than that, but those are some very basic examples of personalization. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm um, going to circle back on all of these, but uh, okay. there's, there's, yeah, more, there's good stuff in there. Okay. And then you can ask me more questions. Um, okay. The next is video and the importance of video in uh, marketing. Um, you know, when we first started having websites, it was like brochureware online. Um, and I think we've all gotten much more sophisticated at what we put on our websites and how we deliver marketing materials, but the importance of video and our audience engaging in video and and watching video and learning from video in a way that you might not with a pamphlet or a brochure. Um, mm -hmm. And and the importance of video not being too long, right? It's it's a lot. It's easy to look at a minute and a half or two minute or one minute video. It's difficult to expect people sort of on first look to watch a twenty minute video. Right. Um, okay. So video with with some uh, with some constraint. And then the last one that I would call out is content, um, and just the importance of providing content that's relevant for people as they do their shopping. People are um, are spending more time and diligence as they shop. Again, I think this is true across most categories um, and the importance of the kinds of content that we can show people um, in their and through their shopping experience, which can often be um, a long time but before they mm -hmm. make um, before they make their decisions. Um, and yeah, in some cases, maybe uh, consuming content almost unconsciously. Um, not part of a deliberate intentional process to uh, to, to result in a purchase. Yeah. Um, yeah okay. So, Very good. Uh, four, so, all right. So we have four really juicy trends, <laughs> which you've identified. And, and so I want to dig into each one of them a little bit and explore what they mean to the insurance agency or the insurance agency principal or marketer who wants to grow. So yeah. we've got data and analytics, personalization, video, and content. And uh, I want to give a few minutes to each one. So data and analytics, um, indeed. Uh, this is this has always been such an interesting conversation with insurance agents um, and one that I've probably had with them for 25 years. Uh, you know, back in the day, advertising was the yellow pages and it was uh, hanging out at the Rotary or the Kiwanis or the Chamber. Right. And, and um, the idea that they could um, do, well, you know, to kind of move from branding to direct marketing and actually do something where they could um, measure the response, that, that was a breakthrough. Um, but, it's, it, but it's also hard. 
uh, it's hard to maintain that as an ongoing discipline. So, uh, yeah. so uh, you know, uh, back you know back in the day, we could like send out you know send out five thousand postcards and see how many leads you get and how many of those leads turn into customers. Um, and right. I've got and I've got clients who still do that today and and swear by that because it's a reliable method. And at the end of the week or the end of the month, they know this is how many inbound phone calls we get. But Beyond that, um, you know, this while it seems so easy uh, to be able to measure things because the internet is supposed to be able to do that for you, it's hard. Where do where do you see this going, and what do you think agents and marketers need to do yeah. to be better at that? I mean, I think there are lots of tools out there now to help people. I mean, Google Analytics is free, um, and there's lots of training out there for how to, that's also free to look at how do you use it. But even just keeping track of things like when I go to that Kiwanis meeting, what are the follow-ups? And you know who, who followed up with me and who do I need to follow up with and how do I make sure that I'm following up with people? Because you know what often happens in, the, in all of these professional um, uh, areas, right? In all of these professional businesses, um, People have touches with with potential leads that they don't follow up with in the quest to find new leads, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> no, no, if you would just capture the opportunities that you've already started to cultivate and continue to cultivate those further, um, that'll be a lot easier than trying to generate, uh, you know, yet another new one. Um, so, and- so those are valuable data points, e- even if they're kind of. Um- well, old school for one of a better term, right? So that's right. I, and I, know. you know, in the in in the early phases, I would say, you know, you say, how do you keep track of it? It's like whatever way that works for you. So if a whiteboard works for you, use a whiteboard. If a um, if a notebook works for you, use a notebook. If a a note on your iPad or your computer works for you, use that. Like whatever. Uh-huh. Whatever tool works for you, use it and be consistent with it. Um, to your point about, you know, you you start to do it, but it's hard to follow up on. It's like, no, you've got to be consistent. Got it. All right. So this is obviously going to drift into technology, too, because if, you, if yeah. not following up is a lost opportunity that happens over and over again, um, using technology to assist with that obviously would be, you know, that that's, there's a little bit of a magic wand there now that wasn't yeah, available right. years ago. That's right. And right. a lot of, I mean, the prevailing sort of guidance in the technology slash software world is find a problem and solve it, right? Not just developing right. technology that then you go find a home for. It's really about finding the problem. And this is a real problem in a lot of places. And so there is a lot of technology out there that's trying to address this very problem. Okay. Okay. So let's go beyond. Uh, so look, uh, there's a bit of a spectrum. Um, on one side, let's put following up on the person that I met at a conference. Okay. That's kind of mm-hmm. a you know, kind of old school, right? Um, It could be supported and assisted with new school technology. But then on the other end of the spectrum, there's pretty sophisticated data management. Talk to us a little bit about how does that happen? Um, You mean data management in terms of managing your your list, 
You're well, you know, like, again, like, you know, there, there's the kind of, you know, I want to follow up with Bob. All right. But then, you know, for example, you mentioned Google Analytics. Yeah. That's pretty sophisticated and advanced. And a lot of people will look at their analytics dashboard and just scratch their head. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, um, I think that there's um, a meaningful amount of training and, um, you know, YouTube videos on how to take yeah. advantage of tools like Google Analytics. And um, a friend of mine um, uh, uh, just <laughs> had a post on Twitter about, um, you know, if only there was a tool out there where if you didn't know the answer to a question, you could type in the question and. <laughs> <laughs> back um, yeah. and you know there's some truth to that right like we get overwhelmed by stuff but often there are very easy ways to go learn a little bit more about um, about how to manage it I mean I think you know when you talk about in the old days right and we went to the meeting and those kinds of things and the new days are we used Facebook ads or or Twitter ads and things like that, all of that can be managed with Google Analytics, or it can be managed with your um, with your customer management system, which could be mm -hmm. as sophisticated as a Salesforce tool or as, um, I don't want to say not sophisticated, but um, something like Constant Contact, which is much more um, relevant maybe for, for much smaller businesses. Got it. All right. So I'm, I'm going to contrast the possible future with the actual present. Um, it's, it, I, I had a conversation with a large client um, the other day. I mean, so this is an agency that's been around for um, generations and yeah. doing between 50 and $75 million in revenue. So it was a decent sized wow. agency. Yeah. And well, they're, they're one of the dominant agencies in the state. And, and I said, okay, I got five questions for you. How many of them can you answer? How many leads did you get last month? How many of them turned into customers? What's your policy per customer count and your revenue per customer? And, and what's your rolling 12 month retention? And they said, well, we could answer one of those questions, right? So, I mean, for, from a data analytics point of view, this, and from a marketer's point of view, those are really basic, basic questions. But this industry um, hasn't really put, historically put much focus on providing uh, useful analytics that, that uh, make it easy to focus on organic growth. Yeah. Well, so, and it's a bit of... Um, um, you measure what's important. Right? <laughs> well, those those five questions are really important to me as a marketer. Right. Um, and, and, but I think as with as with so many small businesses, um, the, you know, small to medium sized businesses in this case, um, you know, the focus is on the content. It's on insurance day after day after day, not on marketing and organic growth day after day after day. That's the transition that I'm helping this agency through. Yeah, and but, I think but we've got a long ways to go. It's important, you know, to that point to help people understand that marketing is more than just the people that make the pretty advertising or <laughs> make yeah. the, the interesting TV commercials or, you know, marketing is a, is a very strategic growth driving function. And it's our job to make sure that people understand what that means um, um, and how, yeah. and how they can leverage that with marketing talent.
Um, okay, I, I love that conversation, and I'm sure we could spend a long time on that one. And I know that you, as a CMO, you, you can't report to the rest of the C-suite. I made a lot of really pretty pictures. Correct. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, right. How do we talk about this? What is the value proposition? How do we differentiate ourselves from the competitors? Um, mm -hmm. Those questions matter, but yeah. they only matter um, in the context of growing the business. Like that's, Which, right. that's one of the big transitions that I have often had to make in organizations that I've been in. Like the activity in the campaign and the messaging and the sales slicks are important, but only in the context of what's the, what are the outcomes? What is it driving to your point about the five questions? Mm -hmm. um, and it is almost, it's almost irrelevant, <laughs> um, but for, uh, but for the outcomes, right? It, really, I the campaigns until you can tell me what the impact is on the business. If it doesn't move the needle on the dashboard, it's not worth much to us, probably. That's right. All right. Uh, let's move on to personalization. So uh, I'm curious, um, oh, well, kind of how you define that, uh, you know, back in early days. OK, this is before agency revolution, when our company created um, a product called ZipDrip which was the first automatic email marketing system in the insurance industry. So we're, we're going back, little Patty, we're going back to 1999. Okay. When, when we first launched that. Um, and, and, and back then uh, part of the magic of that email system was that we could quote unquote personalize every message. So if an agency had 5,000 customers, each one of them would say, you know, dear Nancy, dear Bob, dear Patty, so on and so forth. And that was that was pretty magic. Yeah. Um, I suspect that now um, your definition and uh, well, the definition of, of personalization in general has evolved a lot since then. Yes. And the personalization that you just talked about is still important. Right. It's still so, important. So yeah. People um, people want to be addressed by their name. Um, they don't want to be addressed, um, you know, dear customer or, you know, it, right. that doesn't matter. But even in the insurance space, just think about the difference in what kinds of insurance are relevant for new graduates out of college versus people that just got married versus people that just had a child versus people that just retired uh -huh. versus that, um, just had eligibility for Medicare, right? And and imagine, I think in a lot of cases, we send the same stuff to everybody. And so two thirds of the message probably isn't relevant for a lot of those audiences versus if you could send, you know, if you could divide your audiences into a relatively small number of personas, right? So that you're not having to create a different message for every person in your database, which would, mm -hmm. which would be awfully taxing. Um, and, and, you know, so if you had three or four or five segments and you could have custom messaging for each of those, it would just make your response rates much higher and the marketing investment that you're making uh, more productive. So, so personalization in this definition really is about relationship with a person. Correct. And what, and what differences between people matter in whatever service you're offering. So, um, right. So Sometimes, so let me explain what I mean by that, right? Okay. Come to, for an insurance agent, it could very well be life stage, right? Like I just described, because different 
insurance offerings are relevant for people in different life stages. Life stage might not be the most relevant for you and I in the offering that we're selling to our customer. It might be, mm-hmm. um, it might be um, a, a want to grow their practice and willingness to invest in new technology. And so I might right. personalize, you and I might personalize our message based on those dynamics rather than on life stage because it's more relevant in differentiating our audience and our, and right. our right. Um, so, to, so here, let me give you another example. Let's say this is a very simple, very basic one. Um, you know, within my database as an insurance agency principal, I've got 5,000 customers and 1,376 of them have uh, homeowners insurance, but not auto boom. Right. So now yeah. I can communicate a, a message to them you know, I, I know that we protect your home, but it, you know, it appears I check my records. We don't, we, it doesn't seem like we protect your automobile. Delivering that message to them is potentially powerful and can deepen the relationship and not delivering it to the other 3,700 is also useful because uh, you're not, um, you, well, you're not just sending noise out. And, 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 and it also seems that every time you deliver a message to somebody that's, well, in that case, it would be inappropriate, then um, it, it weakens or dilutes the relationship. That's right. It's expensive, right? And um, it's expensive, I'm right. Sending a direct mail package to a whole bunch of customers for, for a policy that they already have with me. So they're just going to throw it in the trash and they're going to say, why are they even sending that to me? Like I already have that. Don't they know, you know, don't they know that? It doesn't, that doesn't feel good. Don't they know me? Yeah. Right. So yeah, of course, (laughs) this is a bit of a subliminal pitch for the product that you're selling right now. Agency revolution. Right. It does that well. Around personalization. Like not only, not only do you want to take out the ineffective um, investment, but you also want people to feel like, you know, them. Right. Right. And so you want to deliver the right message to the right person at the right time. In the right and (laughs) and contemporary technologies make that possible. Correct. All right. Yes. With the right with the right list (laughs) and the right data. It does right. 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 If you've got if you've got the right data. Tightly, yeah. Personalization is very tightly connected to the data because all those examples you used, you had to know something about your audience. Right. You have to know something. All right. Yeah. Let's move on to the next topic. Um, you'd mentioned video as a growing trend. Um, well, uh, yeah, I'll just pass it on to you because I, I think it's uh, I, I don't remember the number of minutes or hours, but the amount of video consumption by the American consumer is mind boggling. It really is. Yeah, I don't have the statistics at the top of my uh, yeah. hand. There, but, yeah, oh, okay, so so we know that, um, and uh, and also the technologies that allow any human being, you know, eight years old and up, uh, to create video. Um, you know, the technologies is like makes that, um, you know, like like cutting butter. Like anybody could do it, and yet um, there is uh, there there is still, I think, some. Oh, anxiety or resistance or some sense that it's a new technology and I don't know how to do it. So, yeah. yeah so, so let's start with this. Why is it so important? 
Yeah, people are very intimidated by it. And I always say, like, make one on your iPhone. <laughs> right. Um, uh-huh. And I, I recently read an article about um, it actually, in a lot of cases, is better, like, when it's not so overly produced. And people right. see the authenticness. I mean, you know, there are certain, you wouldn't do an, you wouldn't do something like that for the Super Bowl, <laughs> right? Because right. the production is important. But for most of our cases, um, the video doesn't have to be perfect or, or you know, a million dollar um, production value. It just needs to, you know, adequately, um, adequately de- uh, convey your message with a relatively professional looking, you know, background and setup. Um, and so, you know, taking the time to think through what you're going to say, although I think scripting sometimes can be problematic because it, you can often tell when somebody's reading off of a script um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, taking a little bit of time to make sure that the setting that you're in um, looks, you know, neutral slash relatively professional. Um, yeah, I, I think in some cases there, there's, <clears throat> you know, uh, there, there's an argument for being not perfect for, for using low production video over mid to high level production video. Yeah. And I also think there's an argument for shorter is better than longer. Okay. Talk, talk about that. Yeah. That, that's always a, an interesting challenge. Um, I, I had this morning, I had, oh, probably seven or eight p- uh, possible clips that I could have posted on LinkedIn. And I, and I went with the one that was like a minute and 19 seconds. And, and, and that seemed to be, you know, like, that's a good length. Right. And I looked at some that were like six or seven minutes that would, they were just dripping with value, right? This was an interview that I did with a colleague of mine. And, and I thought, oh man, that six minute video, he's just really loading that with good stuff. But I felt like, hey, in that platform, you know, posting it on LinkedIn, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna get, they're just not gonna do it. That's, they're not in a position. Yeah. They are capable of it. They'll, they'll sit down and watch an hour and a half movie or they'll watch the Super Bowl for three hours, but as I'm grabbing them and trying to get their attention or deliver something of value to them, I'm going to get, you know, maybe two minutes or less. So you t- yeah, share, think, about, share what- think about LinkedIn, right? People are looking at LinkedIn while they're multitasking during the day when they have a yeah. few minutes of a break. And so if you've got a, you know, a meeting that ended five minutes early and you're, and you're multitasking on your LinkedIn feed or stream, it's hard to watch a seven minute video. Right. Right. But you can. And so then you get you either you either get through the first minute of it and then they never come back. Um, and so they haven't really gotten to the content. Um, and so I think your choice of the shorter one is better and and giving people a place to go to to learn more and to watch more detail, I think, is 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 the way to go there. And and let's spend a moment on uh, like why it's so powerful. Um, I mean, it, 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 an obvious observation is that video delivers something that even the best copywriter can't deliver. Uh, the human eye, the, the human face, um, the human voice, uh, you know, that uh, a, an immediate sense of intimacy. It's just hard for the best copywriter in the world to deliver. Yeah. I also think it's, um, you know, we talk about people learn in different ways and people take in information in different ways. And so video gives you multiple ways, right? You're both seeing and hearing. Um, 
And so, it, and in in written form, you're just seeing. <laughs> Um, yeah. And and interpreting, you've got a. there's a lot yeah. of interpretation that goes on in the brain. Yeah. yeah. And so I All think, right. I think the video, um, uh, and the, and also like, I think you can convey a lot more in the same amount of time in video versus writing. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I got something yesterday and it was like six pages long it, with a bunch of pages. I was like, what am I going to do? I can't, get, I'm not going to read all of this. Um, but if they'd sent me something that was a 30 second clip, I might've listened to it. Well, it, w it wasn't a letter that I wrote cause you would have, <laughs> it was not a letter that you wrote. That was parents agent either. I've, so I've never, <laughs> I've never written a sales letter that was that short. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I, I want to, I want to dive into the fourth, uh, your fourth major trend content. Yeah. Um, content is King. Everybody's heard that, but uh, tell us. Which, which, why is this so important and what direction do you think it's going? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think the way people shop for things is different and they do research first and, and content is a way that they learn about various technologies and tools and resources, especially in our space, um, especially in, in B2B. Um, I think, I think people aren't ready to have a sales conversation oftentimes, a salesy conversation oftentimes until very far down the process. Um, and they want, you know, they want information in a way that they can consume and it's on their timing and on their sort of readiness. Um, and the more that we can provide that content in a way that, stays away from the salesiness. I think it, it, it enables them to do more research and learn more and consume more content without sort of feeling like they're being sold. <laughs> um, might be useful to provide a definition of what content is. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's really, it's the stuff people consume. Um, and it takes so many forms, right? Because it can be video content, it can be a posting, it can be an ebook, right? Yeah, yeah. And on it's, and on and on. Yeah, it's the information that people take in or seek out to learn more about whatever they're trying to learn more about. Got it. And, and, and it, there is a sequence to content, right? That, you know, uh, as, as you said, um, they may not be ready for the sales message. So at the top of the funnel, we deliver, you know, something else, right? Something that's, yeah. well. Well, and one of my colleagues call. talks about the importance of the top of the funnel content is different from the bottom of the funnel content and thinking through really, really how people, um, uh, how people learn and consume the information and get to the place where they're ready to, to purchase. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I, I've got an eight-hour workshop on on content, which I'm not delivering. I, it's not on my calendar to deliver right now. Um, so, what what do you think insurance agents and you know the the agency principal or the marketer in an agency? What do you think they need to know about content and con and content creation? I'm going to make a distinction here. There's content curation where um, an agent might see something really juicy from a carrier and post it on their website or 
you know, uh, or, or you know, pass something on that somebody else created. Yeah. And then there's creating original content, which is, you know, kind of like a, it, 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 it's a big jump from one to the other. Yeah. Yeah. Need it's, to know. it's interesting. Um, I, on the one hand, I always talk about from an innovation perspective, you can't expect the customer to tell you, you know, when you, when we do research with people and we say, what do you want? What they come back with is not going to be innovation quote unquote innovation. What they're going to come back with is kind of what they know a little more, a little better, a little different angle from what they know. But the question about content, it's like, what are they asking about? <laughs> right? I mean, the, as you think about, um, as I think about insurance and insurance agents and insurance agencies, it's like, take two or three days and capture what questions you get calls about that's your content <laughs> boom right okay got it all right so ask your csrs because they're taking inbound calls all day long and have or, track your, or your receptionist who's answering uh -huh. calls um yeah who's answering calls from people and like then the content and and that content then can be delivered and and repurposed on uh on your website on youtube on videos it can turn into a cheat sheet or a one pager or an ebook or an infographic i mean so so the um, yeah. media through which it can be delivered are almost infinite. And not but, only can it be done like that, it should be. Because again, uh, people take in information in different ways, right? Some of us are on LinkedIn. Some of us are on Twitter. Some of us are on YouTube. Some of us are on the website. And so the, the more ways, because the other thing I think is people get intimidated about content. Oh my God, I got to be creating you know, hundreds of pieces of new content every day. It's like, no, you don't. Um, you can take a, a particular piece of content and then blow it out into all these other channels and places. And it's really relevant and helpful and different people will see it in those different places. Yeah. And, and I guess uh, just to tag on to what you just said, people don't need to be intimidated by uh, whatever pressure they feel to be creative with content. You know, if if one of the questions that... Um, and, you know, let's say customers ask is, um, let's say, do I need to buy a rental car insurance when I rent a car? You, you don't need to be super creative or clever to answer that question, but you know, you can just, you can write a blog about it and you can deliver a YouTube video about it and you can post it on your website. Um, and you can just answer the question. Yeah. And my biggest frustration oftentimes is how much we assume when we put content out. And so we leave, we have jargon and we have, um, we have, you know, industry words and acronyms and things like that. And so as a customer, it's like, what are you even saying? And so part of my, you know, coaching to my teams about this is always like, teach your six-year-old. Like, that's how you should be answering the question. Don't assume people know anything. Um, and I've never seen a piece that, like, does that well, that somebody is insulted. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. As a copywriter, like, learning to, like, kind of move from, you know, whatever, writing essays to writing copy and and, and putting it through a flesh Kincaid, you know, re readability, um, you know, analytic and 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 it can kind of feel like you're dumbing it down, but you know, it's not that the, it's not that the customers are dumb. They're busy. <laughs> and yes. Plus the, plus the fact that uh, simplicity and clarity really works. Correct. And, and even in places, I mean, I've, I've had this, I have this saying about, you know, 
such and such are people too, right? Insurance agents are people too. CPAs are people too. Financial right. advisors are people too. So just because they um, are good with numbers and they're good with detail and they're good with a lot of information doesn't mean that we should make it complex and difficult and jargony, right? We still need to make it clear and yeah, concise. right. Au contraire, the, 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 the great writer knows how to make complex um, uh, topics simple. That's right. So, all right. So, Patty, data, personalization, video, content, you're presenting them as for significant trends and things that um, marketers and insurance agencies who want to grow, they really need to pay attention to. If, if I have one last question for you. If, okay. uh, if you were going <clears> to <throat> deliver a message, I mean, you're, you're relatively new to the industry, but now you've been here long enough to kind of observe, uh, you know, what does it do well? Maybe what does it not do so well? If you were going to deliver a non-commercial message to the insurance industry, what would you say? Yeah, and I, I think this is true for a lot of different kind of service professionals as they're growing their business. I think the biggest thing is to communicate with your existing customers and follow up with your potential customers always and and quickly. I, I am sometimes amazed by people spending time and effort trying to, you know, drive new business and build new business. And they're not taking advantage of the potential new business that's right in their pocket already, um, right. either from existing customers or from the potential leads that they've already come in contact with. Um, and I've, you know, I feel like this is true in other small businesses as well. So if you think about um, all the contractors that you need to help around your house and, you know, how many times you have to call and follow up and follow up and follow up. Um, and just, you know, the fact that we're all flabbergasted when somebody actually comes to an appointment that you've made, it's like, that's a pretty low bar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I think these, um, and I think, you know, a lot of the, the professional professions, I don't know what else to call them are, are certainly better at that. But I would say, you know, you're, you're looking to grow your business, you know, communicate with your existing customers on a regular basis and follow up with your potential customers very quickly. Um, so that you can um, nurture um, nurture those prospects into customers in a in a reasonable amount of time. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Um, well, <clears throat> Patty, I know you've got a hard stop, and I want to be respectful of your time. If our listeners want to find out more, uh, if they have questions, um, who or how should they reach out? And if they want to learn more about uh, the product that you represent or the company that you represent and, and find out more about Agency Revolution, how should they do that? Uh, FMGSuite.com or AgencyRevolution.com. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, and so people can, if you just search Patty Newcomer, um, you'll find me on, on both of those uh, platforms as well. Very good. Patty Newcomer. All righty. Well, um, you've been generous with your time, and I really appreciate your insights. Um, our listeners got, uh, got some real nuggets out of this conversation. And um, hopefully we can perhaps schedule another one for later on this year. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. 
If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.